and welcome to you all from Worcester Talking News in conjunction with Worcester News and Equipment Services for the Visually Impaired. Today we are bringing you news from Friday, November the 10th until today, Thursday the 16th. Our team this evening are Sue Perry, Peter Carter, Lynn Seymour and myself, Kate Hudman. Our engineer is Barry Hurd and all the essential administration and copying which goes on each week to ensure your messages are answered and that your memory sticks reach you on time is done by Carol Hartle and her excellent team to whom we are very, very grateful. We warmly greet you all and welcome any new listeners and we do have two new listeners tonight, which is rather nice. So we welcome warmly Beryl Quinnell and Anne Hill, along with anybody else that has joined and uh, all of all of the rest of you are faithful listeners. Uh, our service is entirely free and it also includes a free monthly magazine and we have a library of talking books which are available to you on request. You're welcome to phone us up, or if you prefer to put a note in with your returning memory stick in your wallet, that's fine. We respond to all your requests, and we do love to hear from you, good or bad. Please let us know any comments you may have, and of course your birthday, so that we can include you in our birthday greetings. We will now bring you this week's headline stories, other interesting stories, local entertainment, sports stories, birthday congratulations, sunrise and sunset... Useful telephone numbers will be followed by Thought for the Week and the obituaries. And I'm now going to hand you over to Peter to read the birthday book. Hello. On the 20th, it's Happy Birthday to Howard Jones. And on the 22nd, it's Happy Birthday to Joyce Pringle. The sunrise is at 7.31am and the sunset is at 4.16pm. Thank you, Peter. And now Lynn will tell us what's going on in the uh, uh, various theatres and uh, in around. OK, in we'll start with Malvern Theatre. And Elvis is arriving, and it says that Elvis will get audiences all shook up. Elvis will be in the building at Malvern Theatres with a Christmas production that promised to, to get the audience all shook up smash hit musical production The Elvis Years at Christmas hits the Forum Theatre on Saturday, November the 18th at 7.45 The special seasonal twist from The King will be packed with solid gold classics, along with all the trimmings to simply deliver a wonderful Christmas time There will still be the rock and roll favourites such as Ready Teddy Hound Dog, Return to Sender All Shook Up Viva Las Vegas and Suspicious Minds, but they will be mixed in with some of the festive melodies that Elvis loves so much, including Silent Night, Here Comes Santa Claus, Blue Christmas, Winter Wonderland and Santa Claus is Back in Town. Visitors to Malvern Theatres will also be able to step back into the 1920s and 30s, New York City, and through the doors of Harlem's hottest nightclub, the Cotton Club. Swinging at the Cotton Club is an evening of dance and music, remembering legends like Duke Ellington, Ella Fitzgerald and Count Basie, as well as dancers such as Bojangles Robinson and the Nicholas Brothers. It will be at the Forum Theatre on Sunday the 19th of November at 7pm. Frankie Vaughan, Lap of Shame is at the Forum Theatre on Wednesday the 22nd of November at 7.30. Um, he's a comedian. Also in Malvern, 
Club Concert at Theatre, Morven Concert Club's 121st season of outstanding chamber music continues with a performance on Thursday, November the 30th. The club, which was founded in 1903 by Sir Edward Elgar, is hosting a series of events at Morven Theatres, now an international ensemble dubbed as a trailblazer for the authentic performance of high classical chamber music will be visiting. The quartet will be joined by Cedric Dibbergeinen on the piano with the show starting at 7.30. Its unique sound involves music of the classical and early romantic periods on gut strings and with historical bows. Also in Malvern, a five-star opera show. An esteemed opera show with five-star reviews will visit the Malvern Theatres next month. Wild Arts presents a matinee performance, The Opera Show, at 3pm on Sunday, December the 3rd. The emotional yet humorous show revolves around four characters in a compelling narrative that takes audience through opera classics from the likes of Beethoven and Tchaikovsky as well as hidden gems. A quintet of string players will accompany the exquisite award-winning Galina Averine, baritone Timothy Nelson, tenor Richard Dowling and the magnetic Martha Jones. Also at Malvern and in Malvern Theatre, I'm sorry, Malvern Library, they're celebrating fantasy literature, literature with a month of live and recorded events. The latest to entertain this weekend will be a talk on a short history of fantasy fiction with an emphasis on J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. It is on Saturday, November the 18th from 11.30. The Graham Road Library is to then host a live screening of The Worlds of Terry Pratchett on Tuesday, November the 21st from 7pm until 8.30. Moving on to the Norbury in Droitwich, there's a new panto coming to the theatre. A new panto is coming to the Norbury Theatre early next year. The Norbury Theatre will be running its own production of Sleeping Beauty, written by one of its members, Fiona Andrews. The show will run from January the 12th to January the 27th, with two performances on each Saturday. Norbury Theatre is a volunteer-run theatre in the heart of Droitwich on Friar Street. Early bird tickets are now on offer. Also at the Norbury, we've got Disney's Frozen JR, and this is being presented by the Norbury Players, Beginners on Stage. That's on Friday the 1st and Saturday the 2nd of December. On Saturday the 9th of December, the Neil Coley Big Band live in concert. It's one of the finest authentic swing bands in the Midlands. Next we have number eight at Pershaw, Tenors Unlimited, A New Era. That's on Saturday the 25th of November at 7.30 and it says that Tenors Unlimited, the rat pack of opera, was formed to expand on the perception of what a 21st century tenor could be. Then on Thursday the 30th of November at 7.30 we have Orchestra of the Swan, Midwinter. And it just says that Midwinter represents a symbolic dividing line, a sacred moment at the year's end when old gives way to new. 
Monday the 4th till Friday the 8th of December at 7.30 and Saturday the 9th, 2.30 and 7.30, Pods are performing their Christmas spectacle. And this is a fabulously festive concert from Persia Operatic and Dramatic Society. In Worcester at Huntingdon Hall, on Saturday the 18th of November at 7.30, we've got Into the Shadows, a tribute band of the shadows. On Sunday the 19th of November at 3pm, Worcester Concert Club presents the Tedesca String Quartet. And they were formed in 2010 and have a whole wealth of experience from a wide range of music, make at the highest level. On Wednesday the 22nd of November at 7.30, Eliza Carthy <coughs> and John Bodles will sail. They combine their talents and reputations for the first time ever, touring as a duo for a nas- nationwide wassail. Three other little snippets... Druitwich Spa Civic Society is celebrating the 400th anniversary of Shakespeare's first folio. Mr William Shakespeare's Comedies, Histories and Tragedies is a collection of plays by William Shakespeare, commonly referred to by modern scholars as the first folio, published in 1623, about seven years after the writer's death. The Melting Pot Company will present their vibrant and condensed versions of Macbeth and Hamlet on Tuesday, November the 21st at Droitwich Spa High School Theatre at 8pm. There's a concert in St Martin's Church and that's in London Road in Worcester. The musical Coffee Morning is in support of Sight Concern and is on November the 25th between 10.30am and 11.30am. The concert features Shula Oliver on violin and Robin Walker on piano. The programme will include music by Bach from Sonata No. 1 for solo violin, Beethoven, Chrysler and Elgar, with a few lighter surprises. Come and enjoy in a relaxed atmosphere with a cup of good coffee or tea and delicious homemade cake, a spokesperson has said. Entry is free with donations to Site Concern Worcestershire. Everyone welcome. <clears throat> and last but not least, Voices of the Great War is a presentation due to take place in the Glass Room at the Hive later this month. The presentation by Christine Shaw, Membership Secretary of the Battle of Worcester Society, is to take place on Tuesday, November the 28th at 715 Tickets are £5 for the event, organised by the Battle of Worcester Society. For tickets, email christineshaw1651 at gmail.com or call 01905 358640. Tickets are available on the night at the door. Out of control... Exile bully attack. Elderly woman left with injuries. An out of control exile bully attacked a small dog and left an elderly woman with injuries after breaking free from its harness, a court heard. Despite the attack in the Droitwich Street, no order was made to destroy the dog by Worcester magistrates. Craig Iver of Charles Henry Road, Droitwich, admitted. Be- being the person in charge of a dog dangerously out of control causing injury. 
Mark Hambling, prosecuting, said at 3.30pm on July the 8th, the victim was walking her small dog in Queen Street, near St George's Crescent. The prosecutor said another dog, an exile bully, came running over and bit the victim's dog and sent her flying to the ground. She sustained nasty injuries, the prosecutor said. After the dogs were separated, the defender who was in charge the defendant who was in charge of the dog left the scene, taking the XL bully with him. Mr Hambling said the XL bully had not bitten the victim or anyone else during the attack, but the prosecutor said the victim's dog did suffer two puncture marks which required stitching. He added the Crown did not request a destruction order. Ivers, who appeared on video link to the court and who has several previous convictions, was defended by Ian Patterson. He told the court the XL bully was a family pet, which Ivers took for a walk that afternoon when he was going to a cash point. Mr Patterson explained, part of the harness around the dog broke and the XL bully ran off at a speed Ivers could not keep up with. Thankfully the dog didn't bite any people, he said. Unfortunately he bit that other dog, causing superficial injuries. Thankfully the other dog is all right. He explained Ivers' intention for leaving was to get the dog away from the scene as quickly as possible and explain what happened after being identified and questioned by the police. The solicitor said up to the incident there had been no issues at all with the dog which had been rescued before becoming the family pet, adding the XL bully was now with the defendant's mother. Ian Latimer, chairman of the magistrate's bench, said they had considered the distress caused to the victim in their sentencing. Ivers, formerly of Worcester and Bromsgrove, was ordered to pay £200 in compensation to the victim and helped to pay for Vetsville's and £185 costs. If you fail to pay, you will be brought back to court, the chairman warned Ivor. American XL bully dogs have made national headlines in recent months following various incidents. After February 1st, 2024, it will be illegal to own one unless the owner successfully applies for it to be exempt. Well, this is um, Saturday and Sunday, November the 11th, November the 12th, and um, the headline is One Animal Killed in Crash and Another One Running Free. An escaped pig was lying in the central reservation of a dual carriageway after a night of chaos which left another dead pig after it was struck by a car. One of two escaped pigs were killed in a crash on the A449 near Ombersley on Thursday, November the 9th, while the second pig was reported to be loose nearby the following day. How the animals came to be in the road is unclear at this time, but inquiries have been made with the Highways Department at Worcestershire County Council. The photo supplied by Luke Willis shows a large pig in the grassy central reservation of the A449. The condition and welfare of the second pig is not known, but police received reports of the animal on the loose in the carriageway. A person reported seeing a large animal in the central reservation on Friday morning where the police activity was taking place. They said, I was driving towards Worcester when suddenly saw a large animal in the central reservation. It took me by surprise and initially I thought it was a calf. 
It was ginger coloured. Later I read on Facebook that a large pig had been seen on the carriageway the night before, so I assume it is the same one. It wasn't moving, but I didn't know if it was dead or asleep. It was hard to tell. If a car has hit it, it would have done a lot of damage. Hopefully, though, the animal is unharmed and was only sleeping. Another person added, We saw lots of police around and what appeared to be a large dead pig on the central reservation. Very upsetting to see. On my return journey, the pig lifted its head and was clearly alive. I hope it was being properly cared for. Traffic was slowing down on the Worcester-bound carriageway of the A449, with police at the scene. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said yesterday we attended a collision on the A449, evening about 5pm. A vehicle had hit a pig and that was loose on the carriageway. Unfortunately, the pig died. Another pig is currently loose on the A449 and a vet is currently at the scene to assist officers with the animal. We have approached West Mercia Police and Worcestershire County Council Highways for updates. Monday, November the 13th. Price increases are enough to make you cry. Onion cost hits curry houses. An eye-watering rise in the price of onions has left one curry house feeling the heat, while a hike in alcohol prices has forced another to make changes. Rising costs have left some curry houses struggling to make ends meet, with prices of basic items like onions nearly tripling. The owner of Balti Mahal said the sheer rise in bills, taxes and key ingredients has left restaurants in a catch-22 situation. Manager Safal Islam said the price of his usual order for onions went from £8 to £27 in the space of one just one month. It is a very tough time for small businesses. Our business is struggling. Every week the bills are going up and ingredient prices are going up too. Some items have almost doubled. For example, we used to spend seven to eight pounds on our onion orders, which is the main ingredient for sauces. Then it went to 20 pounds to then 27 for the same amount in the space of just a month. It is now 18, but it is still going up. He said the prices are almost changing overnight. If we raise the price, the customers cannot then afford it. Business is steady still, but it is the overspending. He said the price of milk has gone from 80p to between £1.60 to £1.80. To mitigate some of the costs, the Astwood Road restaurant no longer sells alcohol, a decision taken by another Worcester curry house this week. Althoff's Balti on Tolladine Road has opted for customers to bring their own booze to avoid having to increase drink prices by almost double. There has been a tax hike on all alcohol beverages being served in restaurants and pubs, which is affecting businesses. Altaf's owner, Nadim Hamed, said, Imagine as a customer popping into your local restaurant and paying £4 for a drink to be then paying 8 and the business is not even making money from it. Then, on top of that, the customer is no longer happy because you are charging double. 
Everyone is struggling, which is part of the reason we have done this. It is not just as a business, it is everyone, and this is good for the customers. Customers visited in the restaurant can now only bring alcohol into the premises and a £2 corkage charge is charged to the table. He added, we are a family restaurant and do not want to push our customers away with high alcohol prices. So far, it is working really well and customers are happy about it. In fact, we are getting more tables booked. Other curry houses in the city have been forced to change how they operate to deal with rising costs completely. Staff at Ashley's in the tithing revealed it was with immense sadness and a heavy heart that they would move from a restaurant to a takeaway only earlier this year. Other restaurants like Spice Fusion in Droitwich have been forced to close altogether. The headline for Tuesday, November the 14th Four seriously injured after city flat blaze. Chaotic scenes. There were chaotic scenes in the city centre after a fire broke out in a flat above a butcher's, leaving four men potentially seriously hurt. The four men declined further treatment after being seen by paramedics after a fire broke out in their home above M&M Meats on St Swithin Street. The road was closed and there was large emergency service presence presence just after 7am on Sunday, November the 12th. The fire began in the kitchen of a communal area and involved an extractor fan and three fire engines were sent to the scene. Matthew Nelms, the owner of M&M Meats, said he was woken by a message from a customer who said um, they had noticed the fire and called emergency services. It was absolute pandemonium, he said. It looked worse than it was. Driving to the shop, I thought, oh no, what has happened to the shop? Christmas is our busiest period and on Remembrance Day as well. I want to reassure customers that business is as usual. We are still in full trade and ready to take your Christmas orders. Mr Nelm said there was no damage to his store, despite the chaos on the road. A West Midlands ambulance spokesperson said we were called by the fire service at 6.52am on Sunday to a fire at a property at St Swithin Street, Worcester. Two ambulances attended the scene. Upon arrival, we found four patients. They were assessed and had sustained potentially serious injuries that were not believing to be life-threatening. They declined further treatment from ambulance staff and received self-care advice before being discharged at the scene. Three fire crews were on the scene and two firefighters were dousing the flames, wearing breathing apparatus and using one hose reel jet. A Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service spokesman said, Three HWFR crews from Worcester Fire Station were called at 6.41am on November the 12th to a house fire with persons reported in Swithin Street, Worcester. A fire was in the kitchen of a communal area involving an extractor fan. The fire was brought was fought by two firefighters wearing breathing apparatus and using one hose reel jet. Electrics were isolated. Four male casualties were handed over to the care of paramedics. Police were also informed. Access to St Swithin Street was blocked. The incident was marked as pending closure at 8.40am. West Mercia Police said the fire is not thought to be suspicious. For all the latest news, visit www.worcesternews.co.uk.
This is from November the 15th. A doting father was shocked to learn his daughter was being rushed to A&E after a serious car crash while he was on shift at the hospital. It was a tense wait for security guard Danny Fonseca after he was told his 13-year-old daughter Demi was on her way to Worcestershire Royal Hospital after a crash on the A4440 on Sunday, November the 12th. Two adults from the same car were rushed to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital with serious injuries, while Demi and her boy were sent to Worcestershire Royal Hospital. Mr Fonseca realised something was wrong after receiving a call alerting him to the crash while he was on shift at A&E. I was waiting for my daughter. All I was told was that Demi was okay. She was crying and hyperventilating and she would be taken to hospital. I was stuck. I was desperate. I was waiting for her and I hadn't even tried calling her. I was lost. When they told me that I was in a panic, I didn't know anything apart from the fact that she was in some accident. I kept trying to call everyone and go to the reception and ask that they didn't know anything and it was not on their logs. He said he received a call from paramedic who had Demi in the ambulance and said she would be taken to the hospital where he worked. Miss, Miss Fonseca was one of three people who was trapped in one of the cars in the crash. She had a whiplash, a broken tooth and several marks across her body. Mr Fonseca said she had also received bruises across her body. When looking back at the pictures Miss Fonseca's aunt sent him of the crash. He added, I saw those photos and she was black with bruises. All my worst fears came to mind. I was in shock. Four ambulances, two paramedic officers, a critical care car from Midlands Air Ambulance Service and the Midland Air Ambulance from Strencham were called at 3.44 to the crash in Rushwick. West Mercia Police is urging any witnesses to the crash to come forward. Anyone who saw the crash or has dashcam footage should contact PC Allen by email at richard.allen at westmerciapolice.uk or by calling 07773-043924. Alternatively, people with information can speak to the independent charity Crime Stoppers. It is 100% anonymous. They never ask for a name and they can, cannot trace the call or the IP address. Contact them online or by calling 0800 555 And this is the headline from Thursday, November the 16th. A former hospital doctor has spoken of his disgust after an injured elderly lady spent seven hours lying on the ground waiting for an ambulance. Dr John Talbot of Battenhall was one of a group of people who stopped to help the elderly woman after she was discovered lying semi-conscious in a city street. The 82-year-old, a retired hospital consultant, twice called the doctor tall, but, um, sorry, I didn't quite say that properly, um, called twice, um, 999, and blankets were brought out to make the woman as comfortable as possible during the incident on May the 30th. However, he claims it was seven hours before an ambulance arrived to take her to hospital. The ambulance service said it was four and a half hours, though Dr Talbot disputes. 
He praised the paramedics, describing them as absolutely brilliant, and commended the ambulance service for their rapid answering of 999 calls. But, he said, the woman's treatment highlighted a broader systemic problem within the West Midlands Ambulance Service, which must be urgently addressed to reduce the risk of something similar happening again. In his 45-year career, Dr Talbot said he had never been put in that situation. How she was treated disgusted and upset me. It was terrible, he said. After nearly two hours, nothing had changed and the lady was still lying on the pavement and I felt that we had to risk moving the lady into her house, which had a very steep drive, but how to move her. Eventually, a neighbour found a wheelchair and I showed them how to lift the patient with great difficulty, got into the house after her family had arrived to open the house. He added... The ambulance arrived about 10pm with two totally professional and caring paramedics. The lead paramedic apologised to me and said the lady should have been collected urgently after the first call. I'm a retired hospital consultant and I could not get the call handler to understand the seriousness of the lady's condition. I realise that it is a tick-box question and an answer situation, but there is no flexibility. A West Midlands Ambulance Service spokesman apologised to the patient for the delayed response and said it has reviewed the case. We received a call to a patient who had fallen on Battenhall Road at 3.59pm on May 30th. We received a second call at 7.35 to chase the whereabouts of the ambulance and it arrived at 8.38pm, just over four and a half hours after the call. There is a direct correlation between the length of time ambulances wait to hand over patients at hospital and the length of time it takes to get to patients. Hospital handover delays are still up to three times worse than they were prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, which means some patients continue to wait a very long time before ambulances arrive. Before ending a 999 call, our call assessors will always give advice on how to care for the patient and inform the caller that they should redial 999 if the patient's condition changes, whether for better or worse, whilst waiting for the ambulance. School children join veterans at service. A service has taken place at County Hall ahead of the Remembrance Weekend. Worcestershire County Council staff, councillors, county school children, representatives of the Royal British Legion, Worcestershire's regimental associations and civic guests all came together for a poignant service on Friday morning. The service was hosted by the County Council Chairman, Kyle Daisley, giving staff and councillors the opportunity to join others honouring the fallen and those who continue to protect us. More than 20 veterans were honoured guests for the service, including the Royal British Legion County Chairman Alan Humphreys, alongside five standard bearers and a bugler. Councillor Daisley said, 
It was wonderful to see so many staff and guests gathered this morning for the remembrance service. The event was very moving and I am extremely grateful to everyone who took part. It was especially wonderful to host pupils and staff from two of our county schools. Giving young people a voice and bringing communities together is a very personal goal for me and something I believe we are continually achieving. South Bromsgrove High School Choir shared a moving rendition of Bring Him Home to welcome guests prior to the service. Children from Perryfields PRU, who are currently working on a remembrance project, were also in attendance. One of the students took part in the service with a Bible reading from Romans, More Than Conquerors. After the service, the pupils presented the chairman with a poppy wreath they had made especially for the occasion. Peter Hines, head teacher at Perryfields Primary PRU, said, The pupils and staff at Perryfields Primary PRU were delighted to be asked by Councillor Daisley to attend and contribute to the County Hall Remembrance Service. All of the Perryfields pupils visited the National Memorial Arboretum in Staffordshire last month, and we are currently studying World War I and reading War Horse by Michael Mopango. A small specialist independent school and county fostering company are teaming up to support a county art trail so hospice organisers can help delivering passionate care, com sorry, compassionate care for patients and their families. Abigail's Place and Pyramid Care are joining the Great Waddle of Worcester by sponsoring a penguin, one of 80 sculptures which will brighten city streets and public spaces in summer 2024. The large penguins will later be sold at auction to raise funds for St Richard's Hospice, Sally Affey, proprietor of Abigail's Place, said. As a small school supporting children who have experienced early childhood trauma, loss and or attachment disruption, we know firsthand how important it is to find the right support for loved ones that's tailored to each individual uh, person. So we're delighted to be backing St Richard's and the amazing work it does each and every day. We loved the Elephant Trail in 2021 and brought one of the sculptures at auction to welcome our students to school. Standing proudly by our entrance in Spetchley Road, we know many local residents like to give our Ellie friend a wave each day too. The Great Waddle of Worcester is a wild in art event brought to the city by St Richard's following two previous trails. Sarah Matthews, Business Development Manager of St Richard's Hospice, said It's wonderful to welcome everyone at Abigail's Place and Pyramid Care to our hospice huddle after they kindly bought one of our elephants in 2021. One of the things we love most about our, our art trails is that they bring people of all ages together. We can't wait to waddle in Worcester next summer. The Great Waddle of Worcester is supported by presenting partners Crowngate DRPG, Worcester City Council and Worcestershire Ambassadors, Community and Education Partner, Worcester Bid and Media Partners, the Worcester News and BBC Hereford and Worcester. Worst Road for Potholes Worcestershire people are no doubt already aware of roads that are notorious for pesky potholes littered with cracks and bumps, forcing them to make the effort to avoid them in cars and on bikes but there are a few infamous areas that are flagged up more often than others. According to Fix My Street, 
Two roads have been particularly complained about this year. They are the A38 Bath Road in Worcester and Shrawley Road, Fernal Heath. The Bath Road report, made in August, says tarmac around the edges of manhole covers are breaking away. This has left gaps between the road and the manhole cover with risk of damaging tyres and wheels, also making a loud noise as cars go over it. A Worcestershire County Council spokesman said, We are aware that there are manhole covers on Bath Road that rattle when driven over. These covers are the responsibility of Seven Trent Water and we have notified Seven Trent Water of the defects with their infrastructure. Worcestershire County Council will continue to monitor these locations and will take the appropriate action to ensure the safety of road users. The complaint for Shrawley Road from May reads Pothole is right on the entrance to the street so it is hit by every car and also right in line of cornering for motorcyclists. It's around 15 centimetres wide. The council spokesperson said, We were made aware of a pothole at the junction of Shrawley Road in May and carried out repairs the same month to rectify this defect. We also picked the Hill Avenue in Green Hill, Worcester at random and reporter found holes, a cracked surface and the area by the pavement was deteriorating. A spokesperson said, the Hill Avenue was inspected during the spring as part of the council's routine highway inspections and no intervention level defects were identified. In light of the comments made to us by Worcester News regarding the current condition of this road service, we will make arrangements for this location to be re-inspected. The spokesperson said, During the last financial year, up to March this year, the authority repaired nearly 14,000 potholes on the county's roads. The council continues to invest significantly in our defect repair service. The Worcestershire County Council does not use third-party reporting sites such as Fix My Street. The council has its own reporting system for the public to notify the council of any road, highway or travel route issues and this is available on the council's website worcestershire.gov.uk. Members of the public can also call the Highways and Transport Control Centre on 01905-845-676. The final preparations are being made for Worcester's Victorian Christmas Fair, which is set to return this month. Almost 200 stalls will fill the streets as Worcester's traditional Victorian Christmas Fair returns from Thursday, November the 30th until Sunday, December the 3rd. Visitors can enjoy seasonal stalls offering locally sourced food, drink, crafts and unique gifts that will run alongside the High Street, Cathedral Square, Pump Street, New Street, Friar Street, Corn Market and the Shambles. Visitors can enjoy a host of festive traditions such as roasted chestnuts and mulled wine and enjoy stepping back in time to see how Christmas might have looked 150 years ago. There will be a programme of entertainment, including Victorian characters, lofty entertainers on stilts, musicians and buskers on street corners. And no visit to the fair would be complete without a ride on the traditional vintage carousel in the corn market. A few days later, there will also be a special Christmas gift market in the city centre, running from Friday, December the 8th to Sunday, December the 10th. 
First Bus is sponsoring this year's Victorian Christmas Fair and will be operating its park and ride service, number 910, providing a cheap and convenient way to visit the fair. The park and ride goes from County Hall to Worcester Crowngate Bus Station on Friday from 5pm until 10pm, on Saturday from 8.35am until 6pm, and on Sunday from 9.45 to 3.30pm. Fares will be £2 single or £4 return, and the company is also offering a £10 group ticket available for up to five people, providing unlimited travel all day within the Worcester network. The group ticket is only available on the first bus stop. First Bus will also be providing an enhanced service throughout the fair with extra buses. Tuesday, November the 14th. Gritters hit the roads. As temperatures drop, national highways said gritters went out in Worcestershire the past weekend for the first time of this autumn and winter season. This crucial service saw the national highways vehicles treating major routes across the country. The operation comes on the back of forecasting technology collaboration with the Met Office and Met Desk and planning of where and when to treat roads with salt. This allows the company, which oversees a 4,500-mile network, to use salt in the most effective locations. Darren Clark, Severe Weather Resilience Manager at National Highways, said, We manage a huge roads network nationwide with over 4,500 miles of motorways and A roads. Not all roads will need treating on any given day. Gritters may need to go out in some regions if road temperatures fall below 1 degree C and if there is a risk of ice forming, but not in other areas if conditions are not as cold. The firm's transition to autumn and winter operations began on October the 1st. The gritting service gets activated when the road surface temperature drops below 1 degrees Celsius. The National Highways fleet includes 530 gritter vehicles with a $44 million investment in new Roam-equipped Volvo gritters introduced last year. Each vehicle can transport approximately 12,000 kilograms of salt or an alternation of 8,400 kilograms of salt and 3,600 litres of brine. Motorists are urged to allow gritters sufficient space to carry out their duties effectively and to keep our roads safe during the coming winter months. Essential advice for drivers includes using a high gear, accelerating gently, allowing ample gap between vehicles and avoiding, avoiding sudden braking. Mr Clark adds, as our gritting teams go out more and more to spread salt on the roads this coming autumn and winter season, our message is simple to all road users. Please be patient and give us the time and space to do what we need to do to keep you safe. A Worcester care home has been placed in special measures after issues including residents' care plans were not always being followed. But bosses said they have a plan in place to turn things around. Inspire NeuroCare Worcester has been rated as inadequate by the Care Quality Commission, the regulator responsible for care homes. 
A report published on Saturday, November the 11th, said the care home has six months in which to make significant improvements. Inspectors had previously visited in June and rated the Albury Road care home as requiring improvement. But on a follow-up visit in September, they found improvements had not been made. The latest CQC report said care plans for residents were not always followed and that residents were not always given the chance to get involved in the local community. The environment was homely, spacious in design and met other people's, met people's needs, the CQC report said. People were supported by caring staff, however the staff had not always received the training they required for their role to ensure people's healthcare needs were met. Inspectors had a number of concerns relating to the management of medicines and the treatment of wounds at the care home. Some medicines were not administered as prescribed, which resulted in people receiving duplicate doses or missing their medications altogether, the report said. <clears throat> A spokesman for Inspire Neurocare Worcester said, The safety and well-being of our residents is our highest priority and we are committed to providing the very highest quality complex care at Inspire Neurocare Worcester. We are, of course, disappointed with the findings of the most recent Care Quality Commission report into the service, but we are utterly committed to a culture of constant improvement. The senior leadership team has formulated and implemented a robust action plan to address the relevant issues, and we are confident that the service is already feeling the benefit of these changes. As a team, we remain committed to our residents and their families, and we thank them for their patience during this time. And now some sports stories, and we'll start with um, with you, please, then. If it ain't broke, Spa beat City with ten men in County Cup. It was a case of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, for Droitwich Spa manager Andy Crowther after his side's brilliant 3-1 victory over Worcester City in the second round of the Worcestershire FA Senior Cup on Tuesday night. The Salt men were reduced to a 10 men reduced to 10 men in the 20th minute of the game, but provided a tactical masterclass in frustrating City with their defensive high line before two goals in the closing 20 minutes wrapped up a deserved 3-1 victory but Droitwich boss Crowther admitted the offside tactic was not one that was planned. To be honest, it is just something that kind of happened, he said. We hadn't planned to pay, play that way, but it was working, and so we made the decision to keep doing it. Second half, there must have been 20-odd offsides, so it was obviously working, so we kept doing it. It was superb from the lads. Having said that, if City had managed to catch us out again, it could have ended up being 6-7-1, but it was just one of those games. They kept trying it and it didn't work. And did they try and change it? I don't know. But we carried on doing what we were doing, and we are thrilled with the win, and we go into the next round. As for City boss Chris Corns, he accepted his side were wasteful but was also left less than impressed with the officiating. City were caught offside by Droitwich relentlessly, particularly in the second half, something the visitors had no answer to. They got us to play the same way and we had about 40 to 50 offsides and I cannot wait to watch the replay again. 
and see some of those. Some of those decisions were abysmal, said Corns. You just want some consistency, and at the minute we aren't getting it with officials. I don't think it was a red card for them, and I think he, the referee, has made it up. But that's football for you, and we have to react now and focus on Saturday's game against Worcester Wood against Royal Wooten Bassett Town because the league is the priority and we have to get back to business. Worcester City women have booked a place in the second round of the FA Cup for the first time in the club's <coughs> history. They beat Rotherham United 5-0 on Sunday November the 12th to set up a mouth-watering home tie with Milton Keynes Dons later this month. Milton Keynes' outfit play two levels above Worcester, but the home side are in good form and will be confident ahead of the clash at Six Ways on Sunday, November the 26th. Sunday's win over Rotherham saw City compete in the FA Cup's first round proper for the second year running. They'd secured their place in the competition with convincing qualifying round victories over Walsall Wood Ladies and Anstey Nomads. Commercial director John White said we took some away support up to Rotherham, probably 30 or 40 people, which is great for the club. We're tier 5 at the moment, but probably playing to a tier 4 level, and we're second in the league at the moment. Our average attendance has gone up to 104% in the, in the past year. We were probably getting 60 or 70 a week at Clanes Lane, but we'll be hoping to break 300 for the MK Dons game. It's the first time in the club's history that we've made it this far, so it's very exciting and the goals are flying in at the moment. Worcester City Women, which is a separate entity to the Worcester City men's team, plays its home games at Six Ways Stadium. Tickets to the FA Cup second round clash with MK Dons are on sale now via WFC co.uk priced at £5 for adults, £3 for students and £1 for under 16s. Mr White said it's the sort of occasion Worcester deserves more and more and the club is setting its sights high. Our ultimate aim is to get the Worcester Super League, he said. There's obviously a process to that but we're growing in the right direction and we're giving the city another reason to be proud of its sporting heritage. In five to ten years, we want to have the first purpose-built women's football stadium in the city and to be one of the biggest women's clubs in England. Worcester City made it 11 straight wins in all competitions on Saturday as they booked their spot in the third round of the Isuzu FA Vars thanks to a comfortable victory at Wolverhampton Casuals. Goals from Liam Lockett, Dylan Hart and Jamie Insull saw City progress passed the second round of the Vars for only the second time. Winger Lockett scored his 17th goal of the season in just the 10th minute as he stepped around right-back James Pritchard in the box before slotting past keeper Sebastian Osmet. City controlled possession and territory for the remainder of the half, but a minute before the break, a rare cross into the visitors' box was brilliantly headed into the top corner by Casuals Joe Drakeley. But City would take a lead into the break as a straight after conceding a free kick found its way into the left back Adam Mace on the edge of the box who struck a fierce shot on goal that was saved by Osmond but only into the path of Hart who reacted first to tap home on the rebound. Chris Cornside deservedly led after a dominant half of football 
and the game was soon put out of Cass's reach six minutes into the second half when Macy's corner was flicked into the back of the net at the front post by Insel. Title-chasing Deutwich Spa dropped off the top of the Midland Football League Division 1 table at the weekend after being held by stubborn Nuneaton Griff side at the Kings. Deutwich fell behind after the break when Dan Edmonds burst into the box and rolled the ball past Joel Chadwick, who had made an incredible fingertip save in the first half to deny Archie Gallagher from close range. Edmonds could could and should have doubled the visitors' lead three minutes later, but Alex Dugmore hooked the ball off the line to keep the hosts in it. The Salt men did wake up a bit as, as the half wore on, but missed a number of chances to equalise, and the visitors' organised defence was proving difficult to break down as the game ticked on. Droitwich had put six past weekend's opponents only a month ago in the reverse fixture, but had to wait until 13 minutes from time to score this time around as Charlie Tilly prodded home at the back post following a set piece. Chadwick was called upon once more in the final ten minutes to keep the scores level as Edmonds was denied what could have been the winner. The dropped points saw Andy Crowther's side drop off the top of the league after rivals Hinkley won 5-0 over Cradley Town. But the Salt men do have a game in hand and are only a single point behind. And now some more articles that you may find interesting. Future safe for theatre. The city's main theatre will be staying put as multi-million pound plans to create a new performing arts venue move forward. The Swan Theatre will not be closing, despite Worcester City Council continuing with plans to reopen the Scala Theatre as a performing arts venue. The 58-year-old theatre was expected to be sold to help pay for the multi-million pound regeneration of the Scala and Corn Exchange buildings, but that move has been abandoned. Worcester Theatres, which runs the 350-seat Swan Theatre, as well as the city's Huntingdon Hall, was also due to make the Scala Theatre its new headquarters. But that plan has also been scrapped. A spokesperson for Worcester Theatres said, We are very happy in our current home and will continue to run both the Swan Theatre and Huntingdon Hall for the foreseeable future bringing a fantastic varied programme of events to Worcester City Centre. While we will not have a role in operating the new Scala venture, we are very pleased the project is coming to develop and look forward to seeing how the space will be designed and operated as a new arts venue accessible to everyone. Perhaps one day even our Worcester Repertory Theatre Company may be able to for to perform there, but of course, until more plans are revealed, it is difficult to say. The City Council's plans for the Scala Theatre and the northern side of the city centre have been revised several times since nearly £18 million was awarded by the government in 2020. But with spiring costs forcing grand plans for a new 500-suite theatre to be dropped, 
Worcester City Council revealed plans to build a new flexible perf performing arts venue at the listed Scala Theatre in Worcester had risen to £13 million, almost double the £7 million it was expected to cost three years ago. The council was forced to scrap a move to turn the former theatre in Angel Place into a 500-seat venue after costs spiralled out of control and is now working on different plans for the Grade 2 listed building. The city was given nearly £18 million by the government in 2020 to regenerate the northern side of the city centre as part of the Future High Streets Fund, including more than £7 million to renovate and reopen the listed Scala Theatre and neighbouring Corn Exchange building. Two years later, spiralling construction costs meant that much of the City Council's vision for Angel Place and the surrounding area had to be scrapped, so more money could be pumped into the cornerstone Scala work. This summer, the Council doubled again, and again to carry on with the work, despite concerns about rising costs with plans for a 500-seat theatre abandoned in favour of a smaller, flexible performing arts venue. Royal Mail has released its recommendations for posting deadlines ahead of Christmas. Royal Mail has warned customers to order their online <coughs> gifts and shopping well in advance and to post their festive greetings early. Posts being sent first class should be sent by December the 19th at the latest in order to ensure it arrives in time for Christmas. Royal Mail said packages and parcels being sent by special delivery can be sent up to December the 22nd and still be expected to reach their destination in time for Christmas, according to Royal Mail. Worcester Festival Choral Society, the county's top large classical group, is due to perform Brahms' German Requiem on November the 25th at 7.30. The concert will showcase around 200 performers, 140 singers, a symphony orchestra and esteemed soloists who have performed at the Royal Albert Hall and the Royal Opera House. The deeply moving German Requiem, created in memory of Brahms' mother, has become a cornerstone of choral music. Soloing the evening are soprano, Rebecca Hardwick, who sings internationally in concerts, operas and ensembles such as the Monteverdi Choir and the award-winning baritone Julian van Mellatz, who performs in the worldwide operas and recitals and was the New Zealand representative in Cardiff Singer of the World in 2019. To open the concert, the Meridian Sinfonia will showcase Richard Wagner's Siegfried Idol a popular orchestral work penned for his wife as a Christmas gift. Susan White, chairman of Worcester Festival Choral Society, said, We're thrilled to open our concert season with these stunning works. Hearing this quality of music performed live on the scale is a cathedral's majestic surroundings makes it an unforgettable experience. The choir has a history dating back to 1861, linking it with choral greats like Sir Edward Algar. The choir, which forms a significant part of the renowned Three Choirs Festival Chorus each year, is trained by Worcester Cathedral's Director of Music, Samuel Hudson. Tickets for the concert can be purchased from the Worcester Festival Chorus Society's official website and ticket source at 0333 666 3366.
A care home successfully raised £510 for St Richard's Hospice. The Belmont Care Home in John Common Drive raised the money at its summer fete. The event featured an array of local businesses showcasing their products and services under raffle. Residents at the Belmont Care Home visited um, representatives of St Richard's Hospice in Worcester to present the money to the charity. We had a wonderful day inviting the residents, their families and our wider community to our summer fete, said Sandy Priest, registered home manager at the Belmont. Through the generosity of all who attended, we raised the considerable sum of £510 for St Richard's Hospice. It was heartwarming to see everyone come together to support such a worthy cause. Cat thrown out with the rubbish. A cat was discovered by refuse collectors at the brink of death after it was thrown out with the rubbish. The male black cat, who has been named Asher, was found by wire forest bin operatives on Wednesday, November the 8th, in a Peppa Pig fabric toy box with a cot piled on top of him, in what has been branded a calculated, premeditated and abhorrent act of cruelty. They rushed Asher into the care of volunteers at Starbridge's RSPCA branch, who were advised by vets to euthanise him. Thankfully, he has undergone a miraculous transformation, has put on weight and is now on the mend. Speechless is how a nursery has described feeling after receiving overwhelming amounts of support following an arson attack. Several parts of the outside building, summer house, resources and children's toys were destroyed after a deliberate fire at Fairfield Day Nursery last month. The people of Worcester have now rallied together to provide as much support as possible for the nursery, including setting up a GoFundMe to help replace items lost in the fire. Manager Chloe Morris said, The response has been amazing and really overwhelming. We have received messages from parents, ex-parents and the community and even had business messages wanting us to do things and show them and show their support. People want to help rebuild what we lost and as a small privately owned business we are surprised by all the support. Everyone's generosity has been so unexpected and we had many offers to set up a GoFundMe. So far the GoFundMe page has raised £500. <coughs> Lots of generous people wanted to donate items however because a lot of uh, the nursery's storage was lost in the fire there is nowhere to store the items at present. Fairfield Day Nursery has received offers from people on wooden sheds but unfortunately can't accept them because of the future fire risks. It will now be looking for metal storage units. One business, Five Star Recycling, has also lent a hand in helping the nursery by cleaning up the damage. Thank you does not seem enough but no other words could be said to honour the support we have received. It is heartwarming because staff can see the nursery as a home from home and we were destroyed when it happened. For us to get this support is very heartfelt and it is so nice for people to be behind us. Smoke poured out onto ploughman's close and gamekeeper's drive as fire crews and police tried to tame the fire that nearly spread into neighbours' gardens. Homeowners lined the streets in dressing gowns and slippers as they watched in shock while a section of the nursery was gutted on Saturday, October the 28th. 
police and fire investigations have since confirmed the incident is being treated as arson. More seeking aid from food banks. More food parcels were handed out in Worcester between April and September and in any summer since at least 2018, new figures show. The Trussell Trust, which helps run more than 1,500 UK food banks, has described the soaring need for essentials as extremely alarming. Its figures show 2,804 of this summer's emergency food parcels in Worcester were for children, as 7,857 got handed out in total during the summer across two city sites. This is a rise from 5,787 during the same period a year before, and the highest since local figures were first made available in 2018. Graham Lucas, Worcester Food Bank Manager, confirmed it was a record-breaking summer and that between 1,400 and 1,500 people were being fed per month. Mr Lucas said demand for our support is already about 40% higher than this time last year, and that's before we hit the start of winter, which is usually our busiest period. It's immensely stressful for our volunteers, which is one of the reasons we're boosting our recruitment and rolling out changes in our processes to try and improve our resilience. It's awful to see so many people being swept into crisis and there appears to be no end in sight. Trust Chief Executive Emma Revy said, an increasing number of children are growing up in families facing hunger, forced to turn to food banks to survive. A generation is growing up believing that it's normal to see a food bank in every community. That's not right. Rising hunger and hardship have devastating consequences for individuals <coughs> and communities. The Trust has called for an essentials guarantee meaning universal credit should protect people from going without the basics and for benefits to rise in line with inflation. The Department for Work and Pension spokesman said there are 1.7 million fewer people in absolute poverty than in 2010, but we know some families are struggling, which is why we are providing a record support package worth 3,300 per household. This includes the latest cost of living payments paid directly into over 8 million households this year, our decision to raise benefits by over 10% earlier this year and our 2 billion household support fund which is helping to buy essentials. Fans of legendary partnership Gilbert and Sullivan will be well served at an evening in Welland on Friday November the 24th. St James's Church is to host a seasonal concert of the Gilbert and Sullivan Nativity by the Worcester Gilbert and Sullivan Society at 7.30pm. There will be songs and carols with audience participation along with festive refreshments. Tickets cost £10 for adults and £5 for students and children. The Society has been performing for almost 50 years across <coughs> Worcestershire. For, for more details, visit www.gasworks.com, email gasworksnativity at hotmail.com or contact the venue. Latest flood update. The River Severn's levels are now expected to peak today, Thursday, November the 16th, after a flood alert was issued for Worcester. River levels are now predicted to peak in Worcester between 3.5 metres and 3.9 metres, according to the latest flood alert for Worcestershire. A flood alert warning that flooding is possible and for people to be prepared was first issued yesterday morning. 
Heavy rainfall is expected over the next 24 hours, which will call the River Severn's levels to rise. Diglis's river levels are expected to peak on Friday, November the 17th, between 2.8 metres and 3.2 metres. River Severn's levels are continuing to rise at the Diglis River gauge as a result of heavy rainfall, the government website warned. It said flooding of roads and farmland is possible. We expect flooding to affect low-lying land and roads adjacent to the river from Highley to Tewkesbury. Locations affected are Stourport, Holtfleet, Worcester, Kemsey, Sevenstoke, Upton-upon-Severn, South Quay, Diglis Parade and the Hilton Road towpath. Flooded drains may affect the racecourse and Worcester County cricket ground. They advise people living near the river to install property level protection if required. Beaudley is predicted to peak between 3 metres to 3.5 metres today. The River Severn is predicted to peak at Kemsey Yacht Club between 4.9 metres to 5.4 metres on Friday. And at Saxon's Load, it should reach 3.7 metres to 4.2 metres on Friday. The statement continued, further rainfall is forecast over the next few days with further peaks possible. We are closely monitoring the situation. Hundreds of people are calling for the return of a popular radio show. Over 850 members are dedicated to seeing the return of Malcolm Boyden's show after he was forced to step down from his regular broadcast on BBC Hereford and Worcester due to budget cuts. Mr Boyden still does some presenting on the radio station, but long-time listeners have been up in arms ever since the announcement was made. The Facebook group Bring Back Malcolm Boyden to BBC Hereford and Worcester has even made the national spotlight after it was featured in The Observer at the weekend. Listener Barry Potter said, Malcolm is a gem and although he is still doing his sport twice a week, he is worth much more than that. His midweek shows were brilliant and his Sunday show in particular brought loads of people together. He was good at it and was beloved by his listeners. He became almost like a family member to a lot of people. Listeners have genuinely opted for their radio stations because of this, for other radio stations because of this. Ben Herdman said Mr Boyden brought comfort to people during the Covid pandemic. He said it just does not feel like local radio anymore. It has a t- it is a terrible shame that has been happening with the cuts to local radio. Through the pandemic, Malcolm's broadcasts were comfort for a lot of older people and they were very supportive for a lot of listeners. It has made such a difference with him not presenting his regular shows, especially on Sunday. Jill Watts said she has tried several other radio stations but nothing compares to Mr Boyden's broadcasts. She said it's a huge loss. I used to have the radio on for company and without Malcolm's regular broadcasts it is just not the same. I have tried a lot of other stations but none are quite the same as what Malcolm would bring to BBC Hereford and Worcester. Other presenters do a good job and certainly have their place but listeners are really missing him. A BBC spokesperson said they understand the disappointment from listeners but added that Mr Boyden is still a valued part of the station. They said, we understand it's a huge disappointment when a favourite show comes to an end, but Malcolm is still very much part of the station. He brings us the sport programme every Monday and Friday from 6pm and will be covering the mid-morning show from December for at least a couple of months. 
Last year we announced there would be changes to schedules at outside peak listening hours on all 39 local radio stations. BBC Hereford and Worcester continues to hold local decision makers to account, entertain our audiences and provide the best sports coverage week in, week out. Thousands of speeding drivers caught on the A44 New Road. Nearly 5,000 people were caught by one of the city's most prominent speed cameras in the space of a year. The A44 New Road speed camera resulted in 4,828 notices of intended prosecution being issued as a result of speeding between November 1st, 2022 and November 1st this year. Out of those that were caught by the speed camera, 3,554 were offered a speed awareness course and 902 received a fixed penalty notice, which includes penalty points and a fine. There were 372 cases which were processed in court. According to West Mercia Police, the speed camera on the A44 is a Gatso speed camera which uses radar technology to measure a vehicle's speed. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said the fixed gas Gatso speed camera on New Road satisfies all requirements in terms of its location and operation. The road is a restricted 30 mile per hour speed limit governed by the presence of street lighting and the camera is used in a visible yellow casing with clear markings on the road. Warning signs to indicate that a speed camera is in operation are not a legal requirement, but there is a visible speed camera warning sign in place on the approach to this camera. All speed cameras are calibrated to verify that the camera equipment meets requirements. People are being asked to donate new toys to the Christmas present appeal and support families who will struggle to make ends meet. The Salvation Army asks people to donate new toys and gifts for children whose families cannot put food on the table, heat their homes or pay the bills. Last year, Droitwich Salvation Army distributed gifts to 80 children. The church on Ombersley Way will be collecting donations of new unwrapped toys from December the 3rd to the 17th. For more information about the Christmas present appeal and ideas about <coughs> gifts, visit salvationarmy.org.uk Christmas present appeal Last chance to have say Residents have less than two weeks to make Worcester City Council aware of their views on the review of powers to combat antisocial behaviour in the city. The Council is currently conducting a review of its Public Space Protection Orders, PSPOs. PSPOs, revised every three years, address various issues within the city, including dogs, alcohol and potential disruptive activities in the city centre. Currently, there's an alcohol PSPO, which empowers police to act if individuals cause nuisance with the substance within the city centre. Blackpool Industrial Estate, Gallivall Park, Shap Drive, Brickfields Playing Fields and Rose Avenue. Likewise, a PSPO enforced in the city centre deals with three types of potential antisocial behaviour. Aggressive begging, dangerous skateboarding and cycling and deliberate gull feeding. The intention is not to penalise rough sleepers but to persuade them to engage with supportive services 
and also targets individuals posing as rough sleepers to profit. Dangerous skateboarding and cycling includes excessive speed or recklessness that may risk injury to others. Applicable across the city, a dog control PSPO requires dog owners to clean up after their pets, adhere to prescribed areas for dogs and keep four dogs or less under one person's supervision. Residents that fail to comply with PSPOs are subject to fines of up to £70. Councillor Neil Lawrenson, Vice-Chair of the Council's Communities Committee, emphasised the urgency of resident contribution. We need to hear the views of people who live or work in the city to assess the current PSPOs, their effectiveness and their future. He said, urging city dwellers to voice their opinions before the deadline at www.worcester.gov.uk forward slash voice it. Community members can also take a printed survey available in different languages from community safety at worcester.gov.uk or by calling 01905 72233. In addition, the Council is organising several engagement events as part of the consultation. Information about these events will be found on the Community Worcester social media channels and advertised in events locations around the city. A traditional pub set in the very heart of Worcester <coughs> brings to life the glory, grace and grandeur of the golden age of British public houses. The Imperial Tavern in St Nicholas Street in Worcester City Centre conjures up the quality and old world elegance of a vanished age and to step inside is to voyage spellbound into the city's past. True to its name, the Imperial has a regal air and must be one of the jewels in Worcester's crown for anyone who loves their historic pubs, unspoilt by the worst excesses of modern modernity. Framed black and white photos show the city in its heyday. One photo showed horses and carts trundling past the cathedral, another featured the market hall, and one captured the cross when some of the first motor cars rumbled along the city's streets. There has been a pub with names including the Yorkshire Arms and the Brewer's Arms on the site for about 300 years. The Victorian building was known as the Imperial Hotel until Black Country Ales bought Woo Bar in 2015. Fred Jones, the licensee, said it was his partner who first took over the Imperial seven years ago, but he took on the mantle when she became ill. Mr Jones is Worcester-born and bred, attending the King's School and working for ten years running Hallwood the Furniture Store in the city centre, a job he left so he could support his partner at the pub. Taking over the Imperial has been a personal as well as a professional journey for Mr Jones. He had his first ever pint there while still dressed in his school uniform in the 1980s. It's the first pub I ever had a pint in. I was underage, but I don't think the police will arrest me now, he says with a wry smile. It feels strange. I have ended up here. I have a history with this place, but I never foresaw I would end up running it. The Imperial is part of the Black Country Ales family, which has recently bought the Saracen's Head pub in the tithing. He often knows he maintains what time of day it is, just by looking at who has walked through the pub's door. The Imperial prides itself on being a family-friendly pub, 
children and dogs are welcome and because of the loyal mature customer base the pub does not employ door staff despite its city centre location there's just never been any need however it would be a mistake to think the imperial is stuck in the past just because it celebrates worcester's rich history and it is not a museum but a living breathing community with a loyal following which speaks of a vibrant future indeed since the postal order closed in Forgate street the Imperial is one of the closest pubs in Worcester Forgate to Forget Worcester Forgate Street Station, and a large TV screen displays all the latest arrivals and departures, as well as the inevitable cancellations. Mr. Jones said, "If there are any delays, the customers can just stop and have another pint. It is nothing to set. Tis nothing to set it up." Attacks are part of the job. A banned customer repeatedly punched and shouted at a service station worker who said abuse is now part of the job. In the latest attack, James Wiggett was serving customers at Ulster Road service station near Flyford Flavel when a man banned from the store tried to enter. Customers rushed to help Mr Wiggett after the man turned abusive. The man is alleged to have previously shoplifted at the service station which led to the ban. As he walked towards the counter, Mr Wiggett said he told him he had to leave, but he was then met with verbal abuse. I started ringing the police behind the counter because he would not leave, and then he swung over the counter and hit my face, he said. He hit me over two times over the counter, went away, and then came back and hit me again. The man also allegedly broke a display before customers rallied together to get him out of the service station. Unfortunately, this is not the first time Mrs Mr Wiggett has received abuse during his nine years working at the store. It's irritating, but unfortunately it's become normal, unexpected, and it's become part of the job. Whilst working, I had people threaten to punch me. Now they actually have threatened to run me off my motorbike. This is definitely the worst. It is the only one that has escalated to physical violence and the first one to take a swing. He added that abuse is something retail workers experience on a daily basis, and he whittles it down to some customers only seeing staff as a face behind the counter instead of a human being. You go to Sixth Sense and can always tell who it will be to start hurling abuse. They come in ready for a fight and you tell them they cannot do something like be served and they lash out. They see it <coughs> as just a face behind the counter. A debate on climate change with Worcester's parliamentary candidates will take place at the Old Palace in Deansway. Worcester Cathedral will host the debate titled Addressing the Climate Crisis on Thursday, December the 7th to coincide with the United Nations COP28 conference. Citibank reopens after refurb. A Citibank has reopened its doors after closing due to renovation work. HSBC in Broad Street, Worcester, closed to customers on Thursday, September the 28th and cash machines were also boarded up to prevent them from being used. The bank closed for a refurbishment and was due to reopen on Monday, November the 6th. However, this was delayed. Recommended reading the reason HSBC Broad Street, Worcester is closed during October. During the closure, customers were directed to Malvern and Kidderminster as nearby locations as well as online banking. 
Thank you very much indeed. And that's the end of our, all our articles this evening. We hope you found something of interest that uh, you can enjoy and um, some of the entertainment too that you may well want to follow through. Um, now uh, I'd like to say good night to my team and I'm sure they'd all like to say good night to you too. Good night. To Suze good night. And to, to Lynn. Good night. And Peter has stayed on to read the telephone numbers for you. Hope you find some of these useful. Worcester Talking News, 01905 767766. Police Non-Emergency 101, NHS Direct 111, Out of Hours Medical Assistance between 6pm and 8pm, 0300 123 3211. Crime Stoppers 0800 555 111. Community Risk Team for Fire Safety 0800 032 1155. Domestic Abuse Helpline 0800 980 Worcestershire County Council here to help 01905 768 053. Request Option 3. Worcester Hub 01905 765 765. Samaritans is a free phone number 116123. Worcester Theatre's box office 01905 611 427. Malvern Theatre box office 01684 892277. Norbury Theatre Droitwich box office 01905 770154. Number 8 Theatre, Pershaw box office 01386 555488 National Grid 0800 917 24-hour service Use this in the event of a power cut There is a priority service register free on 0800 032 8302 who will provide information for example in Braille large print or alternative languages Thank you Peter Um, The thought for the day Uh, is Matthew um, chapter 9 verses 20 to 22. A woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her and said, take heart daughter, your faith has healed you and the woman was healed from that moment. And now the obituaries this week. Sylvia Joyce Reynolds passed away peacefully on the 2nd of October, aged 88 years. Her funeral service at St John the Evangelist Church, Storage, on Thursday the 23rd of November at 11 o'clock. It's family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for the Dogs Trust may be left on the collection plate at the church or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Annie Banbury, known as Betty to her friends, passed away peacefully on November the 8th, aged 101. The funeral will be held at Holy Trinity Church, Eckington, on Thursday the 14th of December at 2pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations in Betty's memory are invited for the PCC Eckington and Friends of Pershaw Hospital. 
These may be sent to E. Hill and Son, Funeral Directors, Pershaw. Derek Aston uh, passed away on the 17th of October this year. Uh, he had a long fight with his illness and he died peacefully. Um, he died. Uh, the funeral service will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 15th of November at 10.45am. Family flowers only, please, but donations to Dementia UK may be left in the box provided at the crematorium or sent directly to the charity. It doesn't mention a funeral furnishers uh, on this um, particular announcement. Christine Moss, um, she passed peacefully away on the 7th of November. Her funeral service is at Lower Broadheath Church on Wednesday the 29th of November at 12pm. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for the RNLI and Midlands Air Ambulance. Again, there isn't a mention of a funeral director there. Pamela Hobbs sadly passed away on 19th of October, aged 81 years. A funeral service will take place at the Vale Crematorium on the 22nd of November um, at 12 midday. Donations in memory of Pamela to St Richard's Hospice, care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors, Worcester, WR1 1JA. Philip Woodnut, known as Phil, passed away peacefully on the 31st of October. A funeral service will take place at Wire Forest Crematorium on Thursday the 23rd of November at 12.30pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, can be received for Cancer Research UK or Kidney Research UK, care of Edwin Harris and Sons Limited, 1 Crane Street, Kidderminster, DY11 6XT. Royston Kirkham passed peacefully away on the 30th of October. Um, his funeral will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 20th of November at 11.30am. Floral tributes or donations may be left in the collection box for St Richard's or Acorns, Acorns Children's Hospice. John Norman of Droitwich passed away peacefully on Monday the 30th of October. A funeral service will take place at the Vale Crematorium on the 18th of November at 11am. Family flowers only please. Donations on the day to the British Heart Foundation. Any inquiries please contact Xavier on xavian at ic24.net or Raneshka on telephone number 07949 123426. Dorothy Gillett passed away peacefully, aged 90. Uh, it doesn't say what date she died, but her funeral service is to be held at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 23rd of November at 230 Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, to the Cats Protection League. There will be a collection place, uh, plate available at the crematorium. Again, no mention of a, a funeral director. Uh, Brenda Hale, or Brenda George Knee Hale, um, 
She passed peacefully away on the 28th of October, aged 98 years. A funeral service will be held on the 20th of November at 12.15 at Worcester Crematorium and that will be followed by a gathering of family and friends. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, to the work of Asthma UK and Cancer Research UK. They may be left in the donation box provided or sent care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors, Delees, Wells Road, Malvern, WR144JL. The telephone number is 01684 563983. Maureen Dovey passed away on the 4th of November, aged 87 years. Her funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 24th of November at 10.45am. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if so desired, will be gratefully received for British Heart Foundation. And all inquiries to the Co-op Funeral Care, 17 Lowesmore, Worcester, WR12RS. Sandy Cox passed away on the 6th of November, aged 70. Her funeral service will be held on Monday the 4th of December at 12.15pm at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only, please, but donations gratefully received for headway. Again, unfortunately, no, no uh, <coughs> funeral director there. Pat Butler um, passed away on the 23rd of October, aged 75 years. Funeral service at St Dennis Church, Seven Stoke, on Wednesday the 22nd of November at 12.30pm. Colourful clothing is optional. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for St Dennis Church may be left at the service or given care of the family. John Roberts died suddenly on the 23rd of October following a short illness. He was aged 64 years. He, uh, his uh, service is to be held at Worcester Cathedral on Thursday the 23rd of November at 2.30pm as a celebration of his life. This will be followed by a private service with his, just his family. Family flowers only by request, but donations in lieu of Medicines Sans Frontières, MSF UK, Merrill Roberts' fundraising for Medicines Sans Frontières, Doctors Without Borders. It's a justgiving.com uh, page. Black Country Women's Aid, Merrill Roberts' is again fundraising for Black Country Women's Aid, also a justgiving.com page. Inquiries may be made to the funeral directors A. H. Caldicott and Sons, 15 Market Street, Tenbury Wells, WR158 BH, and their telephone number 01584 810281. Derek Fryer passed away peacefully on October the 22nd, aged 88 years. His funeral service and burial is at St Peter and St James Church Hallow on Tuesday, November the 21st at 12 noon. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, to the British Heart Foundation. They may be left on the plate in the church. Again, there is no mention of a funeral director. Uh, Bob Bennett 
of Callow End, passed away peacefully on the 27th of October, aged 92 years. His funeral service will be held at St Peter's Church, Powick, on Thursday the 23rd of November at 1pm. Flowers may be sent to Bedwardine Funeral Directors, Bromyard Road, Worcester. Anne Brown passed away peacefully on October the 25th, aged 89 years. A service will take place at West Hall Park Natural Burial Ground, Holborough Green, near Redditch, on Monday, November the 20th at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please, but donations in Anne's memory are invited for Acorns Children's Hospice and they may be sent to E. Hill and Son Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10 1HZ. And Lorraine Coombs, uh, known as LOL by her friends, I think, um, passed away on Sunday the 5th of November, aged 80 years. Funeral service will take place on Wednesday the 6th of December at Worcester Crematorium at 10.45am. Donations, if desired, can be made to the Air Ambulance UK. Family flowers only, please. And uh, it mentions no um, funeral furnishes for her either, I'm afraid. And that is all the um, obituaries for this week, announced this week. And our thoughts and our prayers are with all those friends and family of those people. Uh, now I'd like to just say good night. <laughs>